I'm trying to really focus on using NFTs for social good. And so there comes my background story again uh, in there and, you know, onboarding NGOs, um, onboarding, uh, onboarding female filmmaker associations, you know, telling them about NFTs and crypto and, you know, that they can be a part of this and, um, that they can grow thanks to this ecosystem. And so that's how um, I'm using NFTs and crypto at the moment is to be able to help other women. Welcome back to Cool Hand Crypto, where cinema, culture, and crypto collide. My name is Matt Silverman, and please remember to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. Today's guest is a member of the Colombian Academy of Motion Pictures. She is a director, producer, educator, and human rights advocate. She is the founder of Global Eyes Production, Axion Mojeres, sorry for my Spanish, which is an online directory focused on gender equality in Ibero-American cinema. She is also founder of the Just Love Film Academy, which is an online film school for Spanish-speaking female filmmakers. You may recognize her name from socials as Josephine L.F., Josephine Landertinger Ferrero. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very excited to be here. Where are you based right now? I'm based in Barcelona. I've been living here for two years, a bit more than two years now, um, coming from Bogota, from Colombia. I've... Nice history of migration <laughs> because uh, I've lived in several countries. I grew up in Lesotho, surrounded by South Africa during the last years of apartheid. And then my parents moved to Portugal. Then I moved to Germany and lived in Berlin for quite some time. From Berlin, I moved to Colombia where um, I got married, got two kids, two daughters, uh, which I always think is no coincidence as a feminist. <laughs> God gave me or whatever the universe gave me two two girls and now uh, well two years ago we decided to leave Colombia uh, and we're in Barcelona right now did you choose Barcelona for its film community or for other reasons yeah it was a mix Um, my husband and I had met in Berlin And of course, Berlin has a super vibrant like film scene, very like independent also um, film scene, very vibrant art scene as well. But um, I mean, we've had the experience already and um, it's quite cold. (laughs) And coming from Colombia, we were like, "Mm, we have like the freedom and, you know, the luck to be able to choose where we want to go. And my mother, she's Colombian, but she's been living in Portugal for quite some time. So we thought, okay, you know, Portugal, Spain um, would be nice. Um, And yes, in fact, then in the end, we decided it had to be Barcelona or Madrid, basically because of um, my work in the film industry. the film industry, you know, is quite also um, dependent of, you know, networking. And uh, I knew some people in Barcelona already. 
and my husband like he works remotely so it was not so important for him um where we would relocate and so yeah then we decided um barcelona against madrid because um well we're close to the beach and with two girls you know it's um quite nice <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your film background? And then we'll get into your advocacy and and NFTs and and everything else. But have you always been a filmmaker? When did you start um, directing and and producing? Yeah, I don't know. It's like those stories you read. When I was small, I always wanted to do film. (laughs) And in my case, it's something like that. I don't know. I just, you know, sat in the movie theater like a little girl and I was always dreaming of uh, doing something like that you know I just wanted to be able to tell stories that um, yeah that you know stir emotions and I I, I always um, I don't know I was really attracted to the feeling you have when you leave a movie theater after having seen an awesome movie you know like um be it like action or drama or whatever like a good movie you know that feeling of uh just having had an incredible experience maybe having learned something maybe having um cried maybe you know having laughed uh a lot and so i always wanted to do that and then um the thing is i grew up in a very kind of political family because my father worked for the United Nations for his whole life and so um, yeah the themes of you know human rights international development international cooperation were like very present in our household Um, and I come I come from a binational family so my mother is Colombian my father is Austrian but then you know because of, of my father's work I grew up in several countries and so um i don't know maybe also because of this multicultural aspect and because um we spoke many languages at home i found um something universal in moving images and i i always felt attracted to that um possibility of also you know watching a film and even understanding it if you didn't quite speak the language. So that was always fascinating to me. And um, yeah, somehow, I don't know, I always felt attracted to the arts. You know, I love painting and drawing and music. I always sang a lot. I did a lot of, you know, theater at school. And I don't know, one day um, a friend of mine told me, I'll be an extra on the movie. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, sure thing. And I was, I think, 17 or 18 years old. Um, And then, yeah, it was in Portugal. uh, And I was on the film set. And I was like, okay, this is my thing. I want to do this, like, forever. (laughs) And yeah, since then, then I went to Berlin to study film. Um, and I've been working in the film industry basically since since that time. When you were 17 and on that set, did you 
know at that time the kind of films you wanted to make and the kind of art you wanted to produce? Um, did you ever think about making escaping the the themes that you were surrounded in and making, you know, some other kind of action film or something? Or were you all? Did you always know that you wanted to make uh, uh, films and and content uh, about these subjects that you're so familiar with? Yeah, it's a good question. I think somehow, of course, the way you grow up and you know your values. Um, it really impacts you as a person, at least in in my case. Um, I don't know, you know, like growing up in the last years of um, apartheid, even if I don't remember that very well, you know, but always like dealing with these issues and my mother from Colombia, Colombia also being like a very complicated, difficult country, me also working there, you know, in... Um, in these matters, you know, uh, I'm very interested also in, um, yeah, in politics in the sense of, um, I don't know, you know, like um, democracy and human rights. And so I kind of, I always knew like, I don't want to be like a politician or really like work in international development like my father did. Um, so I always tried to combine that with storytelling and with working on film, working um, in, yeah, with, with images, because um, I, I really believe in the power of the moving image and how it can impact real life. You know, I see it like every day, you know, you also have small kids and I see it with with my daughters and with other children, you know, you, uh, the impact a movie can have on a kid is, is so huge and not on a kid, on us as well. As I mentioned before, you know, you like, you leave a, a movie or, I mean, even if you stream a series or a movie and if it's really good, it, it impacts you and you think about it. Maybe you think about it like two or three or four days and you're still, you know, uh, dealing with that subject and then you go and talk to other people about it and then it's this thing you know so um it i yeah it has um an impact and i think if you use it you know for the good um well awesome you know then that that's so um yeah that's so positive for me to be able to tell stories that um make you reflect upon a subject that I think is important to talk about. Is Home one of those films that you're talking about, that you've been able to do something like that? Yes. Um, Home, The Country of Illusion, um, was my first feature-length film. I had worked on um, other formats before, um, working on topics like democracy building and um, migration. I had fought before home, the film before home, I had followed three binational couples uh, asking myself the question, how love can help us overcome, um, yeah, cultural differences, you know, and like conflict. What were the formats for those projects? Um, the... The democracy building was um, a series, 
of five uh, five chapters and um, Grenzenlos, Boundless in English was a 45-minute like TV documentary. And then, and I was dealing with migration and in Berlin, migration is like a super, um, yeah, it's like, a, or at least it was when I lived there, super um, like present uh, subject the whole time because Berlin has so many nationalities living together that, you know, the, the conflicts are always there. And um, then you always had, you know, um, the majority saying, um, yeah, these people are, you know, the Turkish community doesn't speak German. Everybody has to speak German. You know, if you want to integrate, then you have to speak the language. And then uh, all these talks about integration and assimilation. And when uh, when is it not okay to not be able to live your culture, you know? Um and so, or for example, I don't know, in the news, you know, media bias uh, was also like super common. So when something bad happened, then it was uh, a Turkish person or, uh, you know, somebody from an uh, Arab, uh, Arabic country or, you know, they always had to stress that it was somebody foreign. <laughs> um and so that's why I thought, okay, let's do something um, that shows the opposite and shows that um, we can live together as a diverse society. And so that was the founding idea for Boundless, for Grenzenlos. And then uh, on home, I was working on the subject of migration as well. But I wanted to focus on elderly migrants and what happens to you when you leave a country and you have actually never uh, gone back to where you grew up or where you were born. Um, what happens when you get older? Do you want to, you know, go back home or is that, you know, is, doesn't, does home uh, even exist? Like what is home? Where is it? Um, and what does it mean when you are, you know, 60, 65, 70 years old and have lived abroad for 30 or 40 years? Do you think of going back or no? Or, you know, what, what, what happens to, to these people? And I started interviewing several elderly migrants. Um, and then I was like, oh, my God, my mother. <laughs> <laughs> she has lived in I don't know how many countries by the time I started you know following her with the camera she was I think 64 or something um or 65 and then um I in fact like started following her with the camera interviewing her and also other uh, people but when we edited the footage. It was like, okay, my relationship, of course, with my mother was totally different than with the other protagonists. And so I decided to um, to do a film only about my mother. And, um, and then exactly, I applied to several um, 
to several uh, fundings and got funding from the Colombian Film Fund. And so then I moved to Colombia and then I, I, I stayed there for a while. But um, that was how um, Home was born. And it's basically, you know, a very intimate dialogue between uh, my mother and myself. And uh, I ask her the question like, Okay, you've lived um you've lived almost more time uh abroad than in Colombia, but you're alone, like you don't have family. Um I don't live here with you, my brother doesn't live here with you, so what are you going to do? You have like nine brothers and sisters, are you going back or no? Um, you know, what are your plans? What do you want to what do you want to do? And so I could really ask these questions that interested me on a very personal level. And I started out filming with a, a small crew. I knew I couldn't do this film like with a huge crew. So um, I had a director of photography, an assistant, um, sound, uh, and is there somebody else? one, two, three, four, of course, and myself. So, and then at some point, also looking at the footage, I was like, no, I, this is like TV. I, I don't want to do this. I need like, I want to like dive deep into her life with the camera. So how can I do this? And then I decided to go like all by myself and did like everything so i was sound and camera and director for three years um and that's how home was born and how it was filmed and then um yeah the film was nominated as best um documentary in 2017 in colombia then um i didn't win but it doesn't matter because for our first film it was uh yeah it was really cool. And um, and yeah, and now this year I'm releasing my second feature doc. Um, and I followed uh I followed um my protagonist, a totally different type of person this time, um, for six years. So I went from three to six and now I don't want to do these films anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. You know, I, I went to uh, the Sundance Film Festival many years ago, and I was interviewing filmmakers, mostly documentary filmmakers, and almost everyone said it took them three to five years to complete the film, uh, which I thought was amazing, you know, when, when most uh, scripted features are shot in 14 days maybe, and then there's a month or two or post, and you're done. Uh, so these, these things take a, a long time. When when you started, when you knew you wanted to make Home or, or any of these other projects, did you have um, any idea of how you would fund these projects? Or did you say, I'm just going to go out and do this on my own? Yeah, um, I, yeah, I, I, basically as a producer, of course, you know, you learn how to structure your financial plan and, you know, you... You know, you can apply to this and um, that uh, fund, um, be it like public fund or, um, you know, funds like 
um, Tribeca or Itfa Bertha Fund in, in Holland. You have like a, you have several possibilities um, for as an independent filmmaker to apply for um, for money. Um, like private equity is a bit more difficult with independent films because you know you can't make tons of money back. It's just too hard. Um, so the thing is that um, it's quite hard because you know you apply, then you have to wait like for six months or eight months till they say yes or no and then if it's no you're like okay um now i have to you know look someplace else or they need you a crowdfunding so you know it, it takes time um and i think that's the hard the hard part is to get the money it's not actually to know like where to do your financial plan but it's like okay it's it's just such a a long and tedious process to do it the traditional yeah, way. Yeah, I guess I guess that's a universal part of film as well, is that tedious process. But of course, you know, we're here also talking about crypto and DeFi and NFTs. So um, this whole world opens up um, new possibilities. Everybody is still exploring. Um, I was just talking to a colleague yesterday and... We said, of course, there, there are no best practices yet because we're just starting out and no one has a clue. Everybody's just, you know, exploring and, okay, shall I like mint a film or shall I sell the NFTs to finance it? Or do I do a DAO and, you know, like, um, how do I do this? And people are just, you know, exploring and trying out how to finance um, your film uh, or how to distribute it or how to, you know, like create a community around your film. Um, so uh, I think the whole film industry is just, you know, starting to understand, okay, we have to get into this because um, this is like the future. And um yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you see Warner Brothers uh, doing the Matrix NFT, uh, that means I have some. this is for real. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what to do with them, honestly, but I do have four of them. Okay. And you already transformed them like with the red pill or the blue pill? I, I transformed two of them, and I don't know if it was a good decision or a bad decision. Uh, it's, it's I think, supposed to be like a game, but I don't really understand what the game is. So uh, I did transform two of them. Yeah. Do you have any? No, I don't have any, but I'm following, I'm following uh, of course, closely because I'm interested just, you know, in learning and and uh yeah understanding i've got some on the vv platform i don't know if you know vv vv yep yep i'm on vv yep. with where also big uh brands are like disney and marvel and so i think they're making a lot of money 
you know, these brands. Oh yeah, they're making a ton of money. But I think Vivi and the Matrix NFTs, it's it's really all marketing. That's all just marketing yeah. for the Matrix, exactly. for Disney, for, you know, the, the comics and Marvel and, and everything. Whereas what you're talking about with finance, maybe financing a film with an NFT or selling, distributing your film as an NFT is a is a whole other wild west ball game i'm speaking with people who are trying to do it who are doing it and it's it hasn't as far as i can tell really been figured out yet it's it's still something people are experimenting yeah with. totally um but i'm i'm excited to hear how you're experimenting with it too when did you get introduced to nfts and web3 and and when did you see that there's value in it? Well, I started out with DeFi, actually, um, I think more than a year ago. Well, let's say a year ago. And um, introduced my brother, he, ha he has been into crypto like for, let's say, in crypto world ages, which is like three or four years. Um, and I didn't even know, you know, he was like, oh, my God, I just, you know, made a lot of money from one day to another because Bitcoin went like, bam. And I'm like, OK, I want to uh, I want to learn. I want to know what's going on. What is this? What, you know, and I remembered when he told me that I was like, OK, you know, in Berlin, like. Seven years ago, I remember going to a cafe and wanting to buy a coffee and they accepting Bitcoin, you know. So it's been around for quite a while. And um, there's always the talk of like early adopters and stuff. And I think, I think like 2022 is the like the end of the early adoption curve. I think now we're like starting to see um this whole uh you know crypto scene go much more mainstream thanks also to nfts because it's become just such a cultural thing you know like oh you don't have an nft yet <laughs> like everybody has nfts now you have to have an nft um but basically my uh entry point was DeFi, and i think DeFi is super interesting um it makes you know, just money accessible. And then I started learning about like Axie Infinity and, you know, my uh, background in um, development. Uh, I thought it was like super interesting seeing like these whole communities in, you know, poor countries being able to make a living out of playing a game and I was like wow this is crazy <laughs> this is super fascinating um and yeah that's how I like started to understand and grasp the whole ecosystem um and then I was like okay I'm sure there's somebody in the film industry that is already doing this and I was like investigating okay like film nfts and video nfts and I wouldn't really find anything and then okay you started I started realizing that the technology is not even here yet you know even if I would want to mint like a motion picture there's no platform at the moment that can really support you uploading more than uh, 100 megabytes and and then there's also the question of okay if I do if I mint like one film 
how many copies do I mint? Do I really want to win like one film, like for one person? And what's the value? Like, why would they want to buy that film? I mean, you know, you're saying, okay, you can come and be on the set and be a co-star with Angelina Jolie, and then you can mint your own NFT. <laughs> Maybe that could be something attractive. But so I think we're still trying like to understand how to use this in the film industry. And I think I think um, the thing will be around like finding a sweet spot between you being able to integrate the audience much more. Like I think we're definitely moving in a more um, gamified to a more gamified film industry where the audience will play um, a much bigger role than before, you know, because until now it's like, okay, I have an idea and I'm just going to make the film and then maybe it will do well at a box office or it will flop. And, you know, you're just as an audience, you're a passive consumer or even as, you know, the whole streaming platforms, um, they like, present you with something they think you like, but they never actually ask. <laughs> so I think now um, it can be something like super interesting, you know, to, to say, okay, um, here's a token of my series or of my film. And the more tokens you have, the more voting rights you have. So, uh, you know, what, what happens now? What should we do? Like, here is the here are the first 15 pages of the script what comes next like these are the possibilities a b or c or, i don't know i think it's going to be something like that i think that balance is still being figured out because um even filmmakers i've talked to who are doing this at the end of the day it's it's up it's they're in control they get to decide you know is it a b or c so it's really giving their audience and in a you know an option to give input, but um, but at the end of the day, how much you know how much is that input valued if if the director is just making the final decision anyway? So I'm I'm really curious mm -hmm. to see that perfect balance, that perfect equilibrium where it's worth it to be a part of the community and it's worth it to have a say and and make decisions for a project. Um, but uh, but it doesn't sacrifice the vision of the director or the storyteller. Yeah, that's true. And also another thing that I find um, interesting is, of course, you know, giving uh, the audience IP rights as well. So or let's say the audience, I mean, then you become an investor as well. Um, so maybe it's just another way of doing your financial plan and saying, okay, you know, 50%, I'll have to, I'll have to go search someplace else. <laughs> and the other 50%, I'll do a token or I'll do NFTs and I'll split, you know, my uh, revenue with these people. And then that's why they want to come and co-finance my film. That could also be something um, interesting, although um, like really technically and practically, I don't know how how that will be managed. I know that um, there are some films like um, Arabian Camels NFT. I don't know if you've heard of them. They are 
Mm-hmm. They well, they have this model that um, forty five percent of um, of the budget is uh, for NFT holders, and the idea is that you then, as uh, one of you know one of these uh, twelve thousand, I think they have oh, well six thousand. Uh, they split. They split um, the twelve thousand NFTs in half. So six thousand is for um, institutional um, investors. I'm guessing, like you know, production companies they're talking to, or something like that. And the other six thousand NFTs for people like you and me who just want to um, invest in the film and um, yeah, possibly make some money um and uh exactly so they have this this model but i was then asking myself okay how do you actually manage splitting revenue with uh with all these people (laughs) like practically speaking exactly smart contracts but you know if you are uh I don't know, you know, you're screening in the theater, the theater pays you dollars on your bank account, then you have to put, you know, the money on your wallet, like, how do you do it? <laughs> and then, and who does it? Do you, is there, you know, a new, um, uh, a new role in on films that will be, you know, the the person in charge of, the whole uh yeah nft producer i don't know how you would call the person right uh, yeah i think there will be i think you're right i i there there needs to be i mean it's so confusing exactly. i mean i i'm i'm also talking with people like yourself and people in the world and in crypto and and making crypto films and stuff and i i feel like the the it's like a mosaic the closer i get uh, the less i understand it <laughs> What platforms are you using now? What what are you using in in Web three? Well, I'm experimenting a bit, but I'm also um, yeah observing a lot. So um, I'm using, of course, as most people, OpenSea. Um, I've used it on Polygon. I've used it on Ethereum. Now I have the possibility to explore Haylayer, which is a new NFT platform on Bitcoin, well, on stacks that works on Bitcoin. Um, They will have the ability to mint videos um, from the end of uh, January onwards. And I'm collaborating um, with them because I hadn't mentioned this in our chat until now, but as a filmmaker, my well, I mentioned that I'm I consider myself a, a feminist, so I'm uh yeah, um, very focused on empowering women in front and behind um the camera. Well, you mentioned my um online film school, Just Love Film Academy, where I have film courses, um, and I just want to see more women in the film industry. We're still very, very few women doing films. Um, in Colombia, we, in 20, 
2020, we were about uh, 19% of film directors. Um, this year, the numbers have gone down like everywhere in the world. I don't actually know why, but in Spain, it was like 12%. So, you know, it's too few women doing films and we need to see um, more of our point of view on the world. And um, yeah, so I'm really interested in empowering um, empowering women. And so with Haylayer, uh, Haylayer, the, the NFT platform is co-founded um, by Aya Koretsky, a woman, and uh, their first collection was their first nft collection was um a collection called satoshi so they invited 20 female um artists and asked them okay what if uh, you know satoshi um was a woman and how is your vision of that female satoshi so that was their first collection and um on march 8th for international women's day I'll be dropping a collection of 15 female filmmakers. So I myself invited um, female artists and asked them to, um, you know, I, to show me their version of a female filmmaker. So that's going to be really exciting. And um, a big percentage of those sales is to fund um, short film um of well directed by a woman um and i'm also an advocate of uh intersectionality so for me it's also very important to support women from minority backgrounds that um, are often forgotten so um exactly so this collection will be to support female filmmakers and i'm very into um creating value with NFTs, you know, be it like illustrations or films or videos or whatever. I think, you know, the secret behind all this is like, why would somebody want to buy your NFT? What are they supporting? Are they going to be part of a community? And um, yeah, so you asked me before and I hadn't answered the question what I'm working on right now. And so I'm, I'm trying to really focus on using NFTs for social good. And so there comes my background story again uh, in there and, you know, onboarding NGOs, um, onboarding, uh, onboarding female filmmaker associations, you know, telling them about, NFTs and crypto and, you know, that they can be a part of this and um, that they can grow thanks to this ecosystem. And so that's how um, I'm using NFTs and crypto at the moment is to be able to help other women and, you know, fund their films, uh, do short films and then what will happen to those short films, I still don't know. Um, another colleague of mine, he has um, a virtual movie theater called Granting Wish Studios. Ian Grant, I don't know if you have talked to him already. 
If not, he could be an interesting, no, <laughs> super interesting person to talk to. And so I was thinking, you know, or we were like brainstorming, okay, what if these films, you know, funded by crypto could then uh, be exhibited virtually in your virtual um, in your virtual movie theater that's in crypto voxels. So, you know, these things we're trying to like figure out. And also we're collaborating with other filmmakers and we just said, okay, let's just, you know, explore, experiment, try some stuff. Um, and so now together with, um, other, I still don't know how many we are in the end, but like six to eight filmmakers across different countries um we decided to do a collaborative short film so each filmmaker will film something that will be then passed on edited by somebody else and then you know from there we will create um we will create a um, film nft so it will be only available as nft and um yeah you know you just exploring this wild west of um, film NFT that uh, is just, you know, happening at this moment. And I think it's super exciting to, to be able to, um, yeah, to, to, to live this moment, you know, sometimes I feel like, wow, this must have been like when, you know, color came to film or when sound came to film right. you know something like that i think is happening right now uh, i completely agree i mean in in uh the first episode i said this feels to me the way it felt right before youtube right before youtube existed you know youtube uh came out it was a new platform people were experimenting with it nobody quite knew how to use it or monetize it but everyone knew that something was changing that there was a giant shift about to mm. happen um, so are all, all of the NFTs that you're talking about, are the NFTs themselves films? Yeah, well, in the case of uh, of the latter I told you about, the collaborative, um, the collaborative project, it's, uh, yeah, it's video footage. And um, the female filmmakers collection, it depends on the artist because there I'm, I'm inviting other artists to be part. And so I wanted to leave it like really open. I gave them like certain parameters and possibilities. Um, and let's see what comes out. I'm really excited to, to see the results. And then I told you about my um, second feature film, the one I, I uh, took seven years to, to make. And there um, I'm collaborating with Mogul Productions. That's a film NFT platform to launch um, NFTs of that film that will go to support um, NGOs working uh, with LGBTQ communities because the film is focused on that subject. And they will be launching during Pride Month, uh, end of June. And the film will then be released um, in August. So uh, in that case, it's it's sort of you know uh, it has to do more with supporting a cause through the film. Um, 
but it's not like a film NFT. I, we will most probably do like some kind of access passes or movie ticket NFTs. With all of these projects, what are are you seeing anything that you feel like is working and is getting the word out there and is helping these different organizations? And or are you seeing things that are are not working? Yeah, well, technology definitely. I think we. You know, we still don't even know what's coming. <laughs> I think there's still things to, you know, be invented, to be optimized. Um, and uh, yeah, video platforms are definitely one thing that are missing because in all this, all, all the existing platforms, they, you know, they don't really support video. We were talking with, with some friends and we were saying, oh my God, the day that Vimeo will decide to be, you know, uh, an NFT platform, that will be like, you know, the moment where film NFTs will explode. So there's this platform. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're called Savage. They're launching, I think, quite soon. And they are planning to be a kind of, Vimeo. So let's see what, what happens with Savage. Um, and I think what's working is utility. I think when people see that the NFT they're buying into has utility, you know, be it in form of helping a cause, supporting a cause, or um, making them feel part of a community I think that is like really working. And I think people are excited about that, of being part of something. <laughs> and um, I mean, when I look into NFTs, I think that's also important to me, you know, to feel that, okay, I'm, I, because in the end, of course it's, it's money, you know, I want to put my money, I'm working um, hard to earn in something that I think is worth it, you know. So um, I think that um, that's important also to think of what are you offering to the people that are putting their money into your project. Um, and so I think, um, I don't know if you know the platform on Polygon, it's called Doing Good. So doing good is an um, is a platform, an NFT platform, whereby default five uh, percent of uh, say of of the sales of every sale goes to an NGO. You have to um, they have like a drop down menu, and so you have to um, you have to choose where where those five percent go to. So that I think is like really interesting as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's sort of my, my, um, my take away of that. I think utility is really, really the, the secret here. As far as the community part of it, are you using Discord or Clubhouse or any of these uh, conversation platforms to to connect with people and build those communities? Yeah, well, Discord, definitely. Discord, uh, I have an own channel now, like for since uh, a couple of days, it's not even ready yet, but I'm still figuring out um, 
how to uh, how to navigate it as an admin. I think it's really different <laughs> when you're like a user hopping in and out of channels and uh, on the other hand, you know, being an admin of the Discord channel. Um, and yeah, Clubhouse, really interesting as well. Um, and Twitter spaces. Do you have a vision for how this stuff should work or how you want it to work? You know, what is your ideal Web3 scenario? Mm, I think the ideal Web3 scenario is um, what people are finding attractive now, and it's the community and the collaborative aspect. I think if we, if we can maintain that throughout um, the whole development of this space i think that's what people are valuing now at most and why they find web3 so attractive and if we lose that then i think maybe we're losing an opportunity you know to grow together as um as human beings i don't know i think it's so exciting to be able to work with random people I never saw in my life and they have no idea who I am and now we're going to do a film NFT together just because we want to do something together we want to explore um, you know new realms and I think that is so so cool so refreshing and I wish that um, that that persists uh, for a long time still. So that's like my, my wish for, for web three, that this collaborative and community aspect, um, and, and that's what, what so many people stress in the space that they find it's so welcoming, you know? Um, yeah. So I hope, I hope that we can be, uh, you know, able to collaborate more and not be so into, you know, who's the best or the first or I don't know, you know, who cares? Right. Let's just do things together and impact the world positively with the stories we can tell and, you know, make people be interested also in, in our stories and what we have to say. Absolutely. And I think YouTube sort of proved this, that there's room for everybody and room for everybody's community. You know, everyone can have their own community and build that community mm -hmm. and have it be um, not just culturally relevant and worthwhile, but also something that you can turn your entire career into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I feel like we jumped over the uh, Just Love Film Academy a little bit. Can you can we circle back and, and talk a little bit about that? I've been working on gender equality since uh, 2009. So after university, I graduated in 2007 in Berlin. And then I worked as a freelancer for several film productions and then one day I got a call from um, a friend saying, oh, they're looking for somebody in this NGO 
um, this yeah, it's a political foundation working on international cooperation and seems to be your thing. And they're looking like for a video director. They want to produce more videos and they need somebody like creative. Are you interested? And I was like, hmm, I mean, why not? Let's try it out. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, you know, freelancing is hard. Uh, I'm going to get my real, a real job. And so then I, um, I worked at this, uh, this international um, development uh, foundation for a while, about three years. Um, I met like Angela Merkel. I even handed her over uh, the film I talked to you about, about the binational couples. Uh, I got the chance to meet her personally. I met like really interesting people. I traveled a lot. You know, I did film workshops in um, the UAE, like in the Emirates, in um, South Africa. I was in Guatemala. So I traveled a lot. It was really, really interesting. And then uh, in Germany, you have to have um, a gender um, equality commissioner. So this person, you know, foresees the whole, uh, yeah, the whole, mm, let's say, everything that has to do with gender equality in the organization. So from um, inter job interviews, uh, to um, just, you know, proposing ideas of how the organization can be more gender equal. So I did all that, which was really super interesting. And so I did it in, in parallel to my actual job. So at one point, uh, you know, I got paid the same, but I did, you know, half um, video production, half gender equality and uh, then one day I said okay I'm it's too like institutional and it's very like politically correct um, I need to tell my own stories and then I left and founded globalized production and then did home the country of illusion now I'm doing uh, the film about Christian that's called I'm Christian from Tierra Bomba Tierra Bomba is an island in the Colombian uh, Caribbean coast and um, and then I moved to Barcelona and then COVID came <laughs> and uh, I couldn't you know go and work on film sets and I was at home and I was like okay I need to do something or I'm going crazy and then I you know, I really sat down and worked on myself and what I want to do and what I want to be and, you know, what, what, what's important for me in life. And I said, okay, I really want to leave the world a bit better than I encountered it. And I really want more opportunities for women. You know, I've been working in this subject for so many years now. Um, I'm a film director. I'm a minority. So I, I'm going to support other women. You know, I want to 
be the mentor uh, for other women, <clears throat> the mentor I never had. <laughs> so let's do this, girls. And then I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. And then um, it started like a kind of a vague idea of me doing online courses. And I was like, online courses, I don't know, that doesn't sound like really cool. Let's do like, let's do a film school, like a film academy for um you know spanish speaking women because um that's where most people know me and um where i also know more people and yeah so now i'm basically focusing on empowering uh women and giving them more knowledge in um yeah in the spanish speaking world through um online basically now everything is online so online um, workshops um, and also pre-recorded courses so I'm you know it's building in it's in the making and um, but it's been really exciting until now so I'm uh, excited to yeah to, to be able also you know to bring the NFT aspect into the academy so um, the female filmmakers drops um, that will also benefit the academy and be able to give more scholarships. I give three monthly, three monthly scholarships to women from minority backgrounds. So I want to continue to do that, and um, yeah, to create the fund for producing films. Uh, for directed or produced by women. And so that's how I'm trying, you know, to combine just the film academy and NFTs. Amazing. Well, it's it's uh, you're working on it. Sounds like twenty different amazing projects. Um, where what's your call to action? Where do you want to send people to support your films, to support your organizations, uh, to work with you, collaborate? How do people find you? Drop me an email, uh, definitely. I always answer on my email, mail at josephine-lf.com. Um, and also on Instagram, I'm there, uh, josephine underscore lf underscore film. I'm going to be on TikTok. Well, I'm I'm there already, but not very active. But uh, I'm definitely going to be more active there. Also, educating and onboarding people uh, to NFT and NFT film. Uh, it's the same username, so Josephine underscore LF underscore film. Get in touch. Let's collaborate. Check out also my Twitter because there you can uh, learn more about the drops I'm doing uh, for the female filmmakers. Uh, I think those are really exciting projects. And if you want to support female filmmakers, support Just the Film Academy, make sure to get your hands on one of those NFTs uh, and also support female artists. So... I think that's also super, super amazing. And my Twitter is uh, Josephine underscore LF underscore. Well, thank you, Josephine, for coming on the show. And, and thank you for the incredibly positive impact you're having on, on culture, uh, which, is, which is so important and, and really inspiring 
considering I, I barely have enough energy to feed my kids breakfast in the morning. So uh, I'm, I'm totally overwhelmed by the, uh, the amount you're doing and, and it's, uh, it's great work. I'm really thankful for, um, yeah, you having reached out and it was a super warm and wonderful conversation. 